Welcome to the AF Mentors podcast. This is for coaches who care about impact and are ready to be pushed outside their comfort zone and into growth. You can find out more about AF Mentors at afmentors.com. Hello, James. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am very well. Thank you for giving me your brain for the next 45 or so minutes. You're more than welcome. So basically, a a large gap in my knowledge as a mentor is face-to-face coaching because I've not done face-to-face coaching now for maybe four years, five years, maybe. Can you still Um, remember how to count to 10? uh, Do you know what? I always struggled with that. (laughs) <laughs> and I, it was no matter what number we were on, it was two more. Absolutely. Or I would, I actually rather than do that, I would normally say I'm not counting your reps. Like I was quite, I remember this actually because in one of the gyms I worked in, the owner chatted to me and was like, "Well, yeah, you're a hard trainer," and I was like, "What do you mean?" He was like, "We have like soft trainers," and he mentioned this girl who was like <laughs> really nice, right? And then he was like, "Yeah, well, we've got you," who's like. Oh, a hard trainer so like I didn't like counting reps so I wouldn't count people's reps I'm like you can count to 10 I'm not counting your reps for you I'll look at your form but I'm not counting your reps I mean there's something to be said in that because a, a decent coach or a decent PT will probably be too focused on how you're doing it to notice how many times you've done it and on top of that your muscles really don't care how many times you've done it and this is something that Someone said to me today, how many reps am I doing? And I said, I don't know. I don't know how many times I'm going to need you to do it. I've got a rep range for you and you're going to be stopping somewhere in this. But at the end of the day, your muscles don't care if it's at the bottom of that range or the top of that range. We need you tired. Mm-hmm. This like, is one of the things that, so we're going to talk a little bit about the differences between online coaching and in-person training. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you completely agree with this, but I just see them as such different skill sets and different services essentially that they're almost incomparable but one of the things that I will say that face-to-face coaching is much better for is really pushing people like a lot of people don't realize how much they can do and you can do that a bit online like I had clients this week who were like oh, I can't do uh, they were like oh this workout seems too hard you have like a beginner's workout and I was like yeah I'll write you a beginner's workout but try this one first and they're like oh my god I would never have tried that and then you know, they actually managed to do it. But you can do that even more in person. I think that's one of the coolest things about face-to-face coaching is when someone's like, I can't do 10 push-ups. And I'm like, you can, let's see. And then they're like, oh my God, I can do 10 push-ups. Like, but actually being able to push someone and knowing someone's level of exertion, because it's very easy online to be like, lift it at like, you know, eight out of 10 or something. But for one person, eight out of 10, it looks completely different than another person. And one of the things you get from being an experienced face-to-face coach is knowing how far to push someone. Yeah, I think very much what you've said there, that belief in someone in the moment can be the difference between them actually going for it or pulling back. And a lot of the time, a lot of the people that I work with have come from a place of being quite nervous in a gym environment. And so there's that mentality of, this is all new. This is all scary. I can't do this. I, I'm i not right for this or I don't belong. And that's very much where I came from 
in my journey, like I came from a place where I didn't belong in a gym. I didn't get into training until I was like 18, 19, which I know is still very young compared to some people getting into training. But I had been very much bought into the rhetoric of I'm not one of those people. And so just having someone there to go, yeah, you are. You, you don't have to stay with what you're at. Let's see what you can do and let's be okay with that. I always say to people, the goal is failure. The goal isn't X number of reps or X amount of weight or perfect form. The goal is just getting uncomfortable with it not, not happening. Uh, that's exactly true from like a physiological perspective as well. And I know that it can seem when people are starting, it's like almost demoralizing. Like, I don't know, maybe you've written three sets of 10 push-ups or something. And like, oh, I can't even do that. But actually it doesn't matter because exactly what you're saying, like you're looking for a physiological response. Like the point of exercise is to create a stimulus and you want that stimulus to be as close to failure for you or like basically pushing you as far out of homeostasis, like normal range as possible so that you're creating a big enough stimulus to adapt to. It doesn't really matter if that's 10 reps or three reps or you're doing half push-ups or full push-ups. Like for each individual, it's going to be a different cause that creates that stimulus. But I think that's where face-to-face -face coaching really comes into its own. Because whilst you might have someone like your clients you mentioned earlier who comes back to you and says, can I have a beginner version of this workout? As a face-to-face -face coach, you can deal with that. I didn't reach that. I'm feeling guilty that I didn't reach the number that I was supposed to. And you can turn around right there and then and be like, that isn't the goal. You know, we need to set your expectations and we need to have that conversation now. And it's a really easy back and forth. And I think, again, one of the benefits of face-to-face -face coaching where online sometimes has its limitations is you're relying on someone to be able to remember how they felt in the moment, mm. you know, in that workout. And and I use, I do both face-to-face -face and online and I use apps to help me with my clients and they have a note section in their training log. But if they're too focused on the fact that they haven't done it up to standard, them writing that in their training log isn't going to be very likely. You know, they're not going to be the, the first thing they out of their mouth isn't going to be, oh, well, actually, on that third set of hamstring curls, I felt like I let you down. Whereas if you're face to face, you can see it straight away. You know, some guy today, he did a set of squats and he did five. Whereas we said the bottom range was six and they were beautiful squats. They were absolutely beautiful. And he put the bar back after he said he didn't think he had the last one and went, oh, I'm sorry, James. And I stood there and said, what are you apologizing for? And he went, oh, I just, I didn't get the number. I said, what are you apologizing for? Why, why do you feel the need to apologize to me? What's the, oh, but you said six. Okay. Did you give it your all? Yeah. Okay. So tell me why you're apologizing. Give me one good reason. I'll accept that apology. I'm really bad for refusing to accept apologies. Like if someone apologizes to me for something that I don't think needs it, I will refuse to accept it until they can give me a good reason. Because we do it way too often. We're like, oh, sorry, I didn't do this. Sorry, I didn't. Right, no. Give me a good reason. You tell me how that's impacted my day that you need to, need to apologize to me and I'll accept it and we can move on. But other than that, yeah, take it back. Mm. So I think with coaching, I mean, like one thing where face-to-face -face is certainly better 
is mm. exercise like I mean looking at form looking at how much you can push someone yeah I actually had a discussion with someone before this who was talking about their son who wanted to become a personal trainer and it's interesting because I think there's this like ideal of what a personal trainer is and what a personal trainer does and then yeah. there's the reality of it which is often quite different and what most people go to a personal trainer for isn't actually what they end up getting but I would say what they end up getting is potentially even more important so what they don't think that they probably care about like your average person that goes to a personal trainer and this is so broad but is usually like a middle-aged woman right who wants to lose weight like that's quite a generic client mm. what they think they're going to get from that workout is fat loss or what they hope to get that isn't what they're going to get at all but what they will get is probably even more important which is strength potentially confidence metabolic health bone mineral density health um muscular strength like all of these things are actually so so important to their health and that's where i would say that in-person training is so important but then i think where online comes to fruition really is everything else like actually the gym environment often isn't the best place to talk about emotional eating or the fact that you can't stick to your diet because you end up binge eating in the evening or more just like personal things about habits outside of the gym sometimes these things come up but actually it's quite hard to one kind of set goals for those and program those while you're also trying to coach people in person and two like we know that if if it's real kind of lifestyle change people are looking for, and especially if it's fat loss, actually everything you do outside the gym is more important than what you're doing inside the gym. Yeah, absolutely. And this is advice that I'd give to all new personal trainers. If you are solely relying on that one hour you have with someone to change their life, start charging less because you're not worth it. And I know that sounds really harsh and blunt to say, but one hour of someone's week is less than 1%. I think it comes in at 0.6% of their entire week. And if you're hoping that one workout is going to change that entire week, you've got another thing coming. Like you need to be connecting with them outside of that. It is interesting. Like, obviously, I totally agree with that. But then I do think we almost overestimate and underestimate that at the same time. Because actually, one hour yeah. of exercise a week for someone who's inactive does... Huge like the most incredible stuff to their health like, and you yeah. can't see it it's not tangible like you won't be able to see the fact that their metabolic health is improving you won't be able to see the fact that you are probably adding years to their life so there's not much more important you could be doing but if their goal is fat loss then yeah i totally agree like <laughs> you need to be looking outside of that one hour of exercise but also consider who you're working with like you know if you're working with someone who doesn't have a habit of exercise that one hour session likely isn't going to create the ability for them to to feel empowered to do it themselves. Like it's very unlikely that they're gonna be like, oh, I've had a one hour session with Emma or I've had a one hour session with James. I now feel like I'm confident enough to come to the gym two, three times. It's more likely that they'll become dependent in a very similar way to certain pyramid schemes might create dependency on certain fat loss products and be like, we're going to help you lose weight. Mm. And then, oh, Not wait. Not with me, James, because yeah. I'm like, you'll be counting your own reps. You'll be putting your own weights away. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also a really important point. And I see, I see a lot of PTs doing this and they'll get all of the kit out for their clients. 
all of it and they will they'll create a full circuit for their clients and their client won't have a clue where to find half of that stuff so even little same... things like putting on cables right like yeah just and the thing is i will often do that for clients but i make sure they know how to do it so that when i'm not there it's not like a big thing of oh my god like because i do remember a client saying to me like oh i wanted to do those rope things but there was no rope attachment on the on the cable so i couldn't do them and i'm like oh my god i've not shown you how to attach a cable yet like it's really big we und- like don't we underestimate that as people who've been in gyms for a lot of our lives like someone said to me once how do i carry the box for for hip thrusts like what happens if i can't get on this what happens if i can't get on that someone said to me all the cables were taken but there are two freestanding cables that we would just instinctively go oh well if the dual cables are taken you move to a freestanding single these are things that that people forget that a lot of people who aren't familiar with the gym environment don't know Mm. and yeah you're absolutely right and i actually took inspiration from um, someone in my family who's an occupational therapist and one of the things that they did would say, oh, I'm just going to nip to the toilet. Um, could you make us a cup of tea? And then they go and stand outside the room and watch them make a cup of tea to see how they navigated the different challenges. And now I'm not saying that we should be like going, oh, I'm going to go after the toilet. Can you set up this ridiculously complicated exercise and then hiding around the corner? But there is something to be said for, oh, I'm just going to go grab a bar. Could you set this up? Could you change the rack height and just watch? Because they'll probably come back and go, I tried, but I didn't know how. Or they're going to look at it and figure it out, which empowers them to realise that actually they don't have to be told everything and they can do things themselves. Yeah, and I think with coaching as well, like you don't even have to trick people in that way. You can just be like, would you know how to do this if I wasn't here? Like on the days yeah. I'm not here, do you struggle with setting up a squat rack? Because it's something I used to struggle with. Um. Right, I want to get on to some nitty-gritty stuff. So bring it. This is quick fine. I haven't prepped you for this, but what do you think the Excellent. biggest mistakes that in-person trainers make business? I guess like more business-wise than anything else. Because one tip I got given mm-hmm. when I first started in person, this was actually by Sean Stafford. Do you know Sean Stafford? I don't know. He used to run a gym in London called City Athletic, really cool gym. I actually yeah. think unfortunately it shut down in covid but anyway oh no yeah really sad um but he gave me a really good piece of advice when i was first starting and he said because he was like oh what are you like what are you doing at the moment and i was like oh well like i'm kind of just taking on everyone and i was like i'm quite tired a lot of the time he was like well when do you start work and i was like well six and he was like and when do you finish and i was like well like eight or nine like i'll have and but then i'll have this big gap in between he was like no no, no. you're a morning trainer or you're an evening trainer that's it mm-hmm. And I was like, that's probably one of the best pieces of advice I got as a coach because you will burn out. And it's one thing being like, yeah, you know, I do them in the morning. Then I have this huge gap in the middle of the day and then I do it at night as well. But actually it tends to just essentially burn you out and mean that you really, really struggle with time management, social life, actually showing up at your best for sessions. So then I just changed to just being a morning trainer. And actually it helped with my marketing as well. Because if I had free time, I would hang about in the gym at the time when I wanted to train people. So I knew that 
that would be the kind of person that was coming in. Like, you know, if you're looking for a client who wants to train at 8 p.m., don't go in at 6 a.m. looking for clients. Like, go in at 6 a.m. when they're obviously, that's what fits with their day. So that was a really, like, really simple and kind of obvious, but so useful. And I think I was told that 10 years ago, and I still, I'm still like, that's one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. Yeah, I, I heard something very similar someone said to me in the gym oh i'm i'm really struggling to get clients i said when are you doing your lead generation well in the evening because that's when it's busiest so do you want evening clients then oh no i'd rather have them midday go in midday then i think one of the, the the big things that people get caught up on is social media for face to face now i'm not saying this isn't me saying social media doesn't have its place but if you are a PT in a commercial gym, you have a captive audience. They cannot leave because they're there training, right? You're hoping that your social media with hashtag, I don't know, Everlast Cheltenham, only say that because it's where I train, um, will draw hundreds of people to your door when in reality, you just need to be there more. Like You need to be there when you want clients and actually spend a bit of time talking to people. Now, I have massive social anxiety, right? When it comes to talking to new people and just jumping into situations, and I'm a hell of a lot better than I was, but I used to make a deal with myself. So I had a route from the staff room to the changing rooms, okay? And I used to say, right, okay, in this next hour, I want to talk to three people which means at least once within a 20 minute period, I have to go from the staff room to the changing room because those two places are kind of like safe places because no one's going to disturb you when you lock yourself in a cubicle. And when you're in a staff room, you're not being expected to talk to anyone. So if you're struggling and you're finding it hard to speak to people, walk that route because you will say hello to someone at some point, even if it's just a nod and a smile and you can build on that later. You're not walking up to everyone that you meet and going, hey, do you want personal training? You know, you might ask them how their day was. You might see them two days later and remember something they've told you. And developing those relationships is very similar to, to online marketing. Develop relationships with people. And then you're in the changing rooms one day getting changed and someone says, hey, how much do you, like, what's your rates as a personal trainer? All of a sudden, everyone in that changing room has heard your rate as well. And they've heard that people are asking for you, so you must be popular. So literally just by walking a route from the staff room to the toilet and saying hi to someone over the course of a week, a month, you have developed so many leads. Now, say you're a brand new PT and you want to do 20 hours a week. If you do three people an hour on each of those 20 hours that you want to be in there, 60 people will have connected with you in a week. That is better than the likes you're getting on social media. Oh, a hundred percent. And I've seen people like local people to me pay for, like, I can see that it's paid reach Sponsored on social media. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, you literally have the people that you want to coach right in front of you and you're able to connect with them in person, which is way better than online. Even a hello in person is better than actually like a really useful infographic online mm -hmm. because you're actually connecting with them on a one-to-one -one level. And I think we underestimate how much like everyone has a little bit of social anxiety. So like you don't want to be the person who says hi first or you're like, 
I've kind of been thinking about getting a personal trainer, but I don't know how to approach them. And they always look, honestly, the number one piece of advice for in-person coaching is smile. Like it, it, I get it. I've worked in Virgin Active for years, cleaning machines. It's not fun after like an eight hour shift that you're still there cleaning the machines. And there's like five songs on loop, which have been on the same five songs for the whole summer. And you're like, you just, I don't want to be here. Right. But you still need to look like you want to be there and you need to look approachable. And exactly as James said, like go and say hi to people. But also when I worked at Virgin Active, I said hi to every single person that came into the gym, every single one, because that was like part of our job, right? One of their KPIs was like, were you interacted with in the gym floor? So part of our job was we had to say hi to every single person. And that like, again, like I wasn't the most confident person. I was pretty young. I was like 20 years old or something. So I didn't particularly like doing it, but actually it made me so much better at doing that. And sometimes you just have to force yourself to do it. And that's the easiest way to get full as a personal trainer. Smile and say hi. Like it's so underrated. I and think the other thing you do, which is really quite simple. I've noticed nobody really does this at Pure Gym, but at the Pure Gym I go to, there's like a picture board of personal trainers. Mm. And now and again, there are people kind of loitering around there. And often, like, I don't know if it's just like a knee-jerk reaction, because obviously I'm not looking for clients in the gym, right? I'm always like, oh, are you looking for a personal trainer? And they're often like, yeah, and sometimes I'll just point someone out to them, right? But it's such an easy way to get into conversations. Like, if I was a personal trainer at that gym, like, I'd be kind of loitering around there. If anyone kind of stops and looks by, like, oh, are you looking for a PT? Like, I'd be happy to talk to you. What are your goals? It's like the easiest way to get into stuff. And then it's almost like there's someone directly in front of you and then you go on social media and you turn the other way and walk the complete opposite direction, shouting in that direction. I'm like, here are your clients that actually go to your gym, that are actually already into fitness, that actually have some kind of interest. And then you're shouting to the masses of which maybe 0.1% are actually interested in coaching with you. And also you have already positioned yourself as an authority figure in that gym because you wear a shirt that says personal trainer. Yeah. You know, you're there and, and you're very fair in saying, look at the behavior of your members because the behavior of your members will often dictate who wants help. And um, Nick Hanley and Ant Park are always drilled this lesson into me. Go and help someone. And the number of PTs that I interacted with are like, oh yeah, well, they just want Pure Gym to look good. Like they just want Pure Gym to be a welcome. No, 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 no. They, if you help someone, they are more likely to turn to you when they want to pay someone. Mm -hmm. Reciprocation. But also I think there's reciprocation, but then there's also literally just being approachable. Like I still get approached in the gym because I'm like happy and smiley and talk to people. Mm -hmm. For personal training, I'm like, oh, I don't work here. But it, it literally is all it takes. Like look like you kind of know what you're doing. The other thing I would say, and you don't have to do this, but I do think it helps, especially if you're starting somewhere and you're looking to build up a client base, train without your headphones on. Cause sometimes people are more likely to talk to you when, cause sometimes people are like, oh, but, but you're on shift. Like I didn't know, didn't know if you're with someone or I didn't want to interrupt you, but then I saw you training on your own. And almost everyone when they train with headphones on has like resting bitch face and looks like they don't want to talk to other people. So if you just take your headphones off and smile at people, even for the first couple of weeks, yeah, I would say mega useful. Absolutely. And where possible train at work mm -hmm. because, and 
I've had multiple times during my career as a PT where I've had to take breaks from training at work because I'm just like, I'm sorry, training is my solace. I need to back off. And that will be a heads up, headphones on, hoodie up, leave me alone kind of vibe. But like you say, there's a massive opportunity there. And I think a lot of people underplay the opportunities that they have in their own club. And you, you mentioned about cleaning, about always having a smile on your face. You might not be happy about cleaning. And you also don't have to hide that fact. If you're cleaning a treadmill and there's a member on the treadmill next to you and they're not wearing headphones or they're someone you've interacted with, just say to them something sarcastic like, gotta love the fun jobs, eh? It's so easy to like segue yourself into that conversation because, oh, I thought you were a PT. Yeah, we like to keep the club looking tidy. We care about our work environment. You show that effort. You show that love in where you work and people just love you for it. I used to... So I, where the gym that I'm at now, I came from a completely different role. I went from gym manager to personal trainer, realized I wanted to fix people, not the aircon. And my kind of ethos was, I'm going to get out and clean the gym floor. So I grabbed a screwdriver, a microfiber cloth and a paintbrush. And I started taking bits of kit apart and cleaning in the details. And someone came over to me and went, I've never seen anyone go into that level of detail with cleaning. Oh, thank you. So, so kind of you to say. Two months later, they were a client. Mm. Because I showed I cared. Yeah, it makes a big difference. I also think doing stuff, the same is true online, right? But doing stuff mm. that is just a little bit different. Like I noticed recently that one of the PTs started leaving like a little box in the female changing room that just had tampons in it, right? Must have cost her at most two pound a month or something because i don't even think yeah i don't actually think anyone really used it right but i noticed it and like i never needed to use it but it still made me like that person significantly more and i was like you're a kind like you would go out of your way for no benefit whatsoever and it just had like her logo on it or whatever and her like contact details on it and was like if you get stuck like here's something that you can help yourself right I already like this PT. Exactly. It's such a simple thing to do. Yeah. But it makes you stand out just that little bit more. And a lot of the time we worry about being the best personal trainer in the gym. And the truth is no one would ever know that because they're not doing a full like spec of you. They're literally looking at that board and the start of everyone says fully qualified personal trainer, even though we already know that given that you're on the personal training board and you literally have two sentences to describe yourself, one of which you've used to reiterate something we already know. <laughs> Side note, right? But it, that's <laughs> all it says. And then it's like, I help women lose fat or it's like, I help performance athletes, which is a very strange niche for a commercial gym. But anyway, there's always like like little kind of scopes of what people do but really it's all quite generic and they're really just looking for if there's one little thing that can make you stand out like oh these guys all look good but actually I saw that her logo was on that san- like free sanitary towels in the changing rooms yeah like that's the nudge that I needed just that tiny nudge or it could be oh but that's the guy that said hi to me when he was cleaning the machines so like it's it's that and then yeah sure then you have to be a freaking awesome trainer to retain them but sometimes mm. it, when you're looking at just someone who already wants a personal trainer, like they just need that nudge of you're the person that was there and you smiled at them. Or you, you looked like you were lost on your first day 
and they were like oh do you like are you lost you know where you're going and you're like oh the bathroom's that way that's it it doesn't need to be like let me show you how to perform a squat it can literally just be some form of interaction absolutely that that small form of interaction i think is a bigger deal than someone coming up and saying something like oh your gluteus medius isn't doesn't look like it's firing properly and let me help you with this that or the other i would much rather see someone saying are you lost are you okay can i give you a more effective way to do that i saw someone the other day on a hamstring curl we have a life fitness one that has a pad on top of it that you lock your legs in with all right right and i saw someone just using it with the pad up and obviously they were just moving all over the machine and i was in the middle of training and i just went i can't let that go so it's really sorry do you mind if i just interrupt you for a second obviously when they'd finished training i said i'm one of the pts here i'm not just trying to approach you mid-session can i give you a little tip to make that a little bit more effective oh yeah please do because i haven't got a clue what i'm doing just pop that pad down for me and just let me know how that fit oh i can feel my hamstrings working great i don't need to say any more than that i can leave that to fester i think this reminds me of something else I can't remember if it's pure gym that have changed this now, but I don't think you need to wear uniform when you're personal training. Like I think you can wear your own personal training uniform instead. So you could, I could have mm. like fitness. Mm. And I actually think it's better to wear a pure gym top because then more people approach you, more people know that you already work there. Like you said, you've already got an air of authority and you can walk up to people and be like, oh, did you know it might be a little bit easier if you just move the seat up because then you're not like hanging from the lap pull or whatever. And then they're not like, what a fucking weirdo just approaching me. They're like, oh, that was really helpful. A personal trainer that worked at the gym was doing their job. So I actually did this um, with Everlast where I work because they've they've been a little slow getting the uniforms out to us because recent business change and this, that and the other. So I went onto their website, bought an Everlast top stole the one personal training top that they had sent which was an extra small female top i tried to get into it no chance um i'm just that hench what can i say took it to my local printing shop and went i want that style of personal training writing on this everlast top and then put my social media handle underneath it perfect now when everlast do send the tops i probably won't have to change and i know that the style of top that i've got suits me better but it's already an Everlast top and I already looked the part and it's also branded with me as well. And you can do this with pure gym tops. You might have a bit more trouble finding somewhere that will do it because pure gym use like the moisture wick type top and it's a little bit harder to print on them. But there's no reason why you couldn't put your social media across the top unless your GM or AGM says no, in which case don't blame me for that advice. Yes, we are not responsible for this advice. (laughs) Um, speaking of pure gym and more commercial gyms, mm. thoughts and recommendations on rent versus um, working for your rent hours. Yeah, I think it very much depends on where you are in your PT business, because if you've already got an established client base, it is pointless going on to hours straight off. If you've got a, a client base that you're bringing in with you and you don't need to worry about building your client base. I can't see a reason why you would go on hours. But if you're brand new, holy fuck, take the hours. Yeah. Because if you start with a zero 
member client base, you're motivating yourself to get in there. And I've been pretty damn motivated in the past and I've been pretty damn driven and disciplined and all the rest and all the other hustle culture tat, should we say. Um, and I haven't managed to get in 15 hours a week. You know, I've done maybe five and then about eight hours of sitting on my phone, scrolling Instagram in the staff room because I really can't be bothered. Yeah, you're effectively getting paid to do everything that we've just been speaking about mm -hmm. at the start when you actually have time to do it. And there are a couple of things that do change, like what we were talking about, like training in the gym where you're at. Yeah. If you're starting out 100%, if you're full, that's for me, that was the worst thing possible. Like I moved gyms straight away as soon as I was busy because yeah. not honestly, not so much because one, you never get a session done because so many people are talking to you. But secondly like you're already spending way too much time in that gym <laughs> and you just need your own headspace and that helps you recharge like it's actually it just feels like I don't know if you get this as well but if I've coached a client to do an exercise that I'm gonna do in my head I feel like I've already done it so I don't want to do it myself it's like I'm I'm so at one with the client that I'm like oh we did squats this morning <laughs> No, you didn't See, do any squats. <laughs> Your client did the squats. I'm a little bit on the other way. Like I get a bit fired up about it. But like, if I'm working through how to do something with a client and I demonstrate an exercise and I'm like, oh, that feels good. I'm doing that later. I'll do like, I'll do I a already, dumbbell. I, I like, just feel like I've already done it. And anyway, and, then I just want to be in a different environments. So I would say like sometimes things flip a bit, but I would say when you're starting 100% training that gym and then also do the hours if that's an option just because then you'll be around and you have to be around so and like there is there is something to say about sorting your perspective out because it is so easy and if you are in a gym where a lot of people are speaking negatively about the hours and people are saying things like free labor and this that and the other and i've been there i've been in those environments where people say oh they're just taking advantage and trying to get free labor okay, it's a very clever marketing scheme. It's a very clever business model. But is that going to help your business? Is it going to help your business to stand around with the other PTs and bitch and moan about the company who have put a roof over your head and given you an opportunity to market to so many people? Probably not. If 12 months down the line, all you do is stand and bitch and moan, you're going to have very few clients. If you change your perspective and take it as an opportunity and as a PT you really should be because none of us are here going yes you should all hate exercise and you should hate the gym and if you're not miserable when you leave I haven't done my job properly I really hope no one's still saying that that's, I really hope that's not still a thing um but you would never want your clients to say that and you would want your clients to change their perspective about exercise to make it something they love doing from something that they probably found like impossible or intimidating or overwhelming and yet you're not willing to change your perspective on something that could literally change your life that being a full-time and busy pt it's not only very lucrative but it's incredibly rewarding you get to choose your own hours you get to choose how much you charge there is a cap on what you can earn in terms of the amount of time you can give but in reality, like, it's one of the best jobs in the world. 
completely agree. I also think that, like you say, it's what you make it. So you could say, oh, it's like we're working for free. But actually, I mean, even if you just look logically, it's not because otherwise you'd be paying X amount of rent. So actually you're working so that you are paying yourself to work essentially or you're saving that money. Secondly, it's free marketing. And I've worked some freaking awful jobs and I've definitely felt like there is an element of I'm being taken advantage of here. But I mean, that's kind of true for almost any job. Like the whole point is kind of that, like, yeah, you're getting money for it. But by the virtue of like how capitalism works, like you're getting less money than what the person above you is getting or what the business is making, right? That's the whole reason. But also you don't have to own the gym, own the overheads, get the kit, do the cleaning, like do the insurance, like have all these responsibilities. That's essentially why you don't get paid what the owner of Pure Gym gets paid, right? However- That's very much why I don't do studio PT. That's why I don't do studio PT. Yeah, it's a hell of a lot of, like it turns into a different job, right? And it's more expensive. Mm. Ultimately, it is more expensive no matter how you cut it. Unless you're going from a like top paying gym in London where your rent is a couple of grand off to a studio in Yorkshire where your total bills are just about clipping a couple of grand. When you factor everything in, it is going to end up more expensive to, to own your own studio. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that you couldn't make more money. You've only, I mean, then you, then okay, you think, hire right, a coach. Oh, I can rent out these this yeah. to other coaches and blah, blah, blah. But like, that's a completely different business model. But is that being a PT? Is that being a full-time PT? Or is that being a studio owner? Yeah. And if that's the, if that's what you want to do, you're absolutely right. You, you will, you'll take that cap off your earnings in terms of the amount of hours that you can pull in as a coach. But if you're sitting there going, I want to be a full-time coach, I'm going to get my own studio. I think you're running yourself into the ground and you're doing yourself a disservice because if coaching is that much of a passion to you, unless you're going to start coaching other coaches, you're wasting your talent and you're wasting your passion because you're going to end up managing the studio a hell of a lot more than you're going to end up coaching people. Yeah. This is a really good thing to remember when you start outsourcing stuff as well. Like if you're, passion and also your skill set is primarily I'm a freaking awesome coach you want to outsource everything that's not coaching and too many people start outsourcing like the coaching first like oh I'm busy so I need another coach I'm like no no no. you need a VA (laughs) like you need a VA to do all the stuff that you're not very good at but you've been doing and then you can take on more clients because that's what you're actually good at and people get those two things confused quite a lot but what I was going to say about like the the kind of working your way up and maybe the jobs that seem like you're getting a bit of a hard time, you really need to approach it with a mindset of like, what can I learn from this? What can I get from this? Like I've done coaching jobs where I was paid almost nothing, but I was like, actually, this is a really cool company to work for. This is a different structure that I've never worked under before. I'm working alongside some awesome coaches. Like when I first started working in London, I got paid almost nothing. I mean, like literally just enough to work in London. But the gym that I worked at was awesome. Like there were incredible coaches around me and I could learn from some of the best people. And I was like, I'm a new PT. At this point, I'm not doing it to make money. I'm doing it to learn. Like would I have, I would have definitely made more money staying in like in Scotland and working in a pure gym or something. 
actually it's part of growth is to be like I'm gonna you know take the hit a little bit financially but invest in learning as much as I possibly can in the period of time that I'm here that's another key point in terms of what people focus their energy on because as soon as you become a personal trainer and I'm sure that anyone listening to this who's opened their business in the last three months can attest to this you end up with a torrent of adverts on your Instagram for business marketing and it's oh get you six figures in three months but that I mean that is another conversation entirely but if you're sitting there going I need to focus on marketing and you've never had a single client you need to focus on coaching because if you're not getting better as a coach your retention's gonna suck and, and what I will say is marketing isn't having lots of of lots of followers. No. Like good marketing isn't about having lots of followers and good coaching isn't about having lots of followers. And in the fitness industry at the moment, we tend to put that up on a pedestal. And I would say the only thing it gives you rightly or wrongly is an air of authority. I wouldn't even say rightly, but it like it does. If you go on someone's page, yeah. oh, look, all these people that follow them, it gives that person a bit of authority. Aside from that, it's not actually that useful unless all of those people or a very high percentage of those people actually want to work with you what you're much better to have is a smaller following that are actually engaged with you and want to work with you and i think this is where sometimes sponsored ads gets a little bit overhyped because fine you've got fifteen thousand followers but 10 people liked your last post mm. are, you, are you putting something out there that's actually valuable or could you be, if you're looking at it from a face-to-face -face perspective, could you be in the gym having 10 conversations in three hours and Wait. saving yourself a hundred yeah. quid? You know, and and th I think that's also really important to, to look at because social media can be a fantastic way to market your face-to-face -face personal training um, as an aside and as a secondary. My bias will always be to face-to-face -face marketing with face-to-face -face personal training because if someone wants to buy a face-to-face -face product they're not going to be looking on social media they're going to be looking face-to-face -face. they're going to be looking around so it makes sense but using social media as a support because when you've got those boards in front of you people are going to look you up on instagram people are going to look at your website and this is where the two can combine really nicely use your instagram to show your training sessions with your clients use your instagram to have conversations with your clients use your instagram to show off if your instagram is literally just i train back and buys today look at my pump and you work in a commercial gym you're probably not going to be picking up the people you want to pick up like mary who's in her late thirties and has just picked two kids up from school, isn't going to be there going, fuck, he had striated glutes at some point. Sorry, language. <laughs> you know, she's going to be looking at it going, he's a bit intimidating. Nah. Yeah. And I think with this stuff, like, like we've just been talking about so much of this comes from a barrier of approaching someone. So again, what you can do with things like your PT board or something like have a QR code there, which opens your WhatsApp. Just have like, oh, if you're interested in chatting to me, just WhatsApp me here. Bam. Hey, I saw you on the board. Like, can I book in a personal training session? So then you do get the people who are a bit like, oh, 
I don't know, like if I if I don't know how to approach that person or I saw them and they look busy or they're always with clients because they're really freaking good PT, so they would be. Mm -hmm. So again, like it's just thinking about putting yourself in a client's shoes and just being like, how would I want to approach this person? How many different ways can I open up myself to be approached? Um, I mean, QR codes are amazing. I I think QR codes are fantastic. And they're something that, that the recent pandemic has really give, gifted us as coaches. So when I came back from the pandemic, I ran a free personal training week as a welcome back to, to PTs. Uh, welcome back to the gym. Like, here's your way to get back into it. And I set up a Calendly for free. I put in every space that I wanted filled on that Calendly. And then I put a QR code on a poster and put that poster up bloody everywhere. And it literally was, they didn't even have to speak to me to book in a free personal training session. They followed the link. They booked in the time they wanted. That was it. I met them for the first time. They had some questions I wanted them to answer before I, I saw them. But I then met them for the first time and I had, I think it was, I ended up having to do an overspill of three and a half weeks because wow. of the number of people who were like, oh, I tried to scan your QR code, but you were fully booked. Are you still doing it? And I and I just thought, well, it's going to take me three weeks to onboard anyone from the first week anyway. So I'll fill my first three weeks. And for the first three weeks back from the pandemic, people were coming up to me and saying, how are you this busy? when the gyms have only just opened. I was only getting paid for about 60% of the sessions that I was teach, I was coaching, but that very soon turned to 100%. Mm. Because- and The other stuff you can do with QR codes, exactly like that, but instead of giving away free sessions, it could just be, I don't know, like here's a podcast of me talking about how to set up your diet. Like ever wondered about how to set up your diet for fat loss? bam 20 minute podcast like little things like that that actually use that captive audience that yeah. you have in the gym so you're not doing like an ad for your podcast that nobody like interacts with so you're actually like yeah. these are the people I want to help I'm going to put up a QR code it's going to take them straight to it and they're going to have it in their ears like yeah simple put, right? put a QR code on a business card put them on every single personal uh, sorry every single treadmill first thing in the morning keep them there for two hours this is goes for especially for the people that are on shift because you can usually swing this with your gm and agm to say whilst i'm on shift can i put my business card in every treadmill and then take them down at the end of it because then there's less competition for marketing and drama and, and gym stuff but that qr code might say something above it like want to know why the treadmill isn't the best for fat loss because everyone on that treadmill is likely going to be there going i need to lose weight so i'm going to do some cardio or something or even something better like running towards fat loss here's why that might be a mistake qr code it's a video of you talking yeah or like if you can't do things like that and depending on like what the gym rules are but like if you're doing mm -hmm. a class or something and at the end you're always like you're interested in personal training like i'm always here to talk and everyone just walks past you at the end be like <laughs> you know here's, here's a free workout or here's yeah like whatever here's my tips to lose fat or what and then qr code it so it just pops up on their phones they don't have to do anything buy a whiteboard they are not expensive buy a whiteboard put it at the back of your class next to the entrance and put your qr code on that whiteboard as people are leaving they are much more likely to scan that qr code than they are to come and talk to you because it's a lower point of entry and that's what you need to be looking at as a as a pt 
how can I make this as easy as possible for people to work with me? And yeah. how can I get people interested as easily as possible? It's such a, such a good idea. Like if you're already doing this stuff as well. So say you're already, for example, doing a podcast or, you're, or you already have five top tips for fat loss or whatever. Literally just do that. And then you could have like, okay, every Monday I do the Monday morning spin class. But what makes me a little bit different is I also send you out the podcast, which is already going out because I already do that. Right. But I also yeah. put it on this board. So at the end of your spin class, you take a picture. Now I'm part of your day because you've done spin with me. And then on your way to work, you listen to me in your head. Like, fuck. There are so many ideas. So many. There are so many options. And I think this is one of the things about people saying that personal training, because I've heard a lot of people say face-to-face personal training is dead. Like, oh, you know, face-to-face personal training, that's over. It's all online now. You can't run face-to-face personal training. No one cares and no one's interesting. I'm sorry. If you haven't exhausted every possible idea out there, you can't say that. You, you don't, know. and the competition is so much less because you've got what, however many other people. In fact, let's say you have ten other PTs in your gym, yeah, five of which are full, and the other four aren't doing anything. Yep. Like you literally have to make. This is what's quite good is that you have to make basically minimal effort to stand out massively in most commercial gyms. Like yeah. literally, just making a QR code. Or just giving like giving little bit of something makes like all the difference in the world. The ones who are full aren't marketing. Yeah. The ones who are full are using their sessions as marketing and they're getting referrals. Right. Fantastic. If you're full, that's a brilliant way to keep business coming in. Just every three months sending something out to someone and saying, hey, do you know anyone who might benefit from this? Just in case you weren't aware, you get 5% off your monthly bill if you refer someone who then signs up for three months. If you're full and if you're good at what you do, that's going to keep you full. Excellent. Also work on decent retention, but decent retention should be something we all strive for. Um, But if you're new, the full PTs are looking at their current clients. The PTs who aren't full aren't doing anything except sitting in the staff room. If the bare minimum is all we have to do, why are we not doing it? I know. It's like, just make a tiny bit of effort and you'll put yourself so far ahead of everyone else. Do you know what? I think about this a lot in every area of life. Most people will do the minimum. And if you just do a little bit more, like you just stand out massively. Like you can be, most people won't be patient and consistent in anything that they do. If you can lean into that and be like, I know that 99.99% of people won't practice delayed gratification. So all I need to do is do that. And I put myself in the 0.001%, the top 0.001%. Like it honestly, it's never hard. Sorry. It's very hard. It's never complicated. Really. It's just, most people won't do it. And as soon as you realize that that is such a big competitive advantage, actually like the sooner you progress, miles above everyone else like I'm not particularly talented in anything that I do but I do work harder than most people and I am more consistent than most people and I do hold myself to higher standards and I don't mean like standards I'm better than you I just mean my own standards that I set myself like I will never miss a Monday podcast not because anybody else cares but me because I've set that standard for myself 
Yeah. And little things like that that other people just won't do. That's what makes you more successful than other people. Well, that's what this is where I, I, I tend to find there's two types of personal trainer. There's the type that is like um, very focused on on discipline and consistency and is very much like what you described there. I set myself a task and I do it. Those PTs, you can literally just be consistent. You can just apply your logic to training to your business. And there are the other PTs that are more focused on, okay, why am I not doing that? Let's look at this from a different perspective and let's find out where the barriers are and where the, where the challenges are and try and tackle those one step at a time. And that's probably how you approach your PT business. Why don't you do it in the way that you approach business? Like if you look at, I don't know, let's say the time that you're spending in the gym, you're not spending that much time in the gym. Ask yourself why, sit down and do some journaling. If you're gonna ask your clients to do journaling about their emotional eating, you need to sit down and journal about why you're not doing your business work. And if you're the kind of PT that's like, just get on and do it, you need to have the same conversation with yourself. Because if that method works for you and you believe that method works for you, why are you not playing to your strengths? Yeah. Yeah, so much of, I mean, this was Amelia and I's talk at IFS essentially was so many of the attributes that you are amazing at coaching for your clients are exactly what you need to apply to your business. And so many of the same like, mental models or mental barriers that apply to dieting in a coaching standpoint or even like to exercise mm -hmm. is exactly the same in your business like you and in so many areas if, of if life as well it was like oh i don't feel fit enough to go to the gym you'd be like well the only way you get fitter is to start right and if you're like yeah. i don't feel confident enough to do a live well the only way you actually build your confidence doing lives is to do a live like the only way you get better is to take that first step and it's so easy to see it that's why we made all these analogies because actually when you see it and you get the perspective of oh yeah that's what i do with coaching then mm. you feel like oh yeah that's also what that's i need, what to, I do need to do with my business yeah yeah um i think it's one of my favorite quotes ever i think it was dave Grohl that said it and, and someone's gonna shoot me for getting this wrong but they were asked what advice they'd give to musicians these days coming up and said just be shit. Yeah. They said we were playing in our garage, being awful and really disturbing the neighbours. And we did that time and time and time again. And look at where we are now, because we made little improvements every time we did it. But we were okay with being shit. And I'm only using that language because it's a direct quote. Yeah, I mean, I always say this, people, start bad to get good. Yeah. And then continue good to get great like there is no way yeah. you can get great unless you start bad everybody starts bad and I think so many people put that up as a barrier like oh I don't know how to do this or I'm not very good at public speaking it's like nobody's born good at public speaking it's practice and whether there is natural ability or not the belief that there isn't is always useful like yeah. I always say to people, you know, if someone's like, oh, you're so good at pull-ups, how did you get good at them? I'm like, I've done more pull-ups than you. I can guarantee that I have done more pull-ups than you. That's why I'm better than you at pull-ups. But also you've failed more pull-ups than they'd have ever tried. Exactly, yeah. You know? I didn't I think... start good. I didn't come out of the womb doing pull-ups. Like, everybody starts somewhere, but you have to be... <laughs> that is a weird uh, thing to think about. Um, but Sorry, you, I've just got a baby doing pull-ups on an umbilical there. cord but you do you have to be willing to start and be and be a bit rubbish you're going to make mistakes 
And again, you would say this to every single person that you coach. Someone comes into you and says, I've had a weekend where I, I wasn't on in harmony with my goals in how I was eating. Okay, cool. What are you going to do? You know, it's, it's no big deal that they're sitting there berating themselves over it. Are you going to let them waste another second berating themselves over it? Or are you going to tell them it's okay because this happens? And in the same way, if you have a week where you don't do any lead generation, rather than beating yourself up for another week, just do some. And you would always say, if someone's brand new to the gym, you'd say, go to the gym for 10 minutes. Go do some lead gen for 10 minutes. You don't have to start with the, the examples that we're sitting here with QR codes, with um, loads of classes, with loads of cleaning. If you are the person that is currently not doing enough lead gen and you know you're not doing enough lead gen, do a little bit. Because doing a little bit is infinitely better than you were doing. Gold. And that compounds. Yeah. Yeah, and then once you start as well, it's momentum, isn't it? You're like, do you know what? I can't be bothered today, but I'm going to speak to these two people. And then you're out there on the gym floor and you speak to two more people. And you're like, oh, I did actually more than what I thought I was going to do. Same yeah. with your clients when they're like, can't be bothered to go to the gym. Just go in and walk on the treadmill. And if you want to leave, you can leave. And then like, yeah. yeah, well, I ended up doing a couple of machines as well. So it wasn't a full workout, but it was way more than what I would have done if I didn't go. Same principles. Literally the same damn principles, people. Right. Um, you are a coach, use it. We are going to wrap this up. Um, Good, because otherwise we're going to explode. Thank you very much for your time. Guys, if you're listening to this as well, James is going to be doing accountability call so if you are a face-to-face -face coach that would be especially useful to book in with him if you can if you're thinking about signing up to afm and i've previously said do you know what if you're a face-to-face -face coach you might be better going somewhere else i now retract that statement because now we have the right support so Woo! yeah very exciting times i'm looking forward to talking to all of you and hearing all about your frustrations and challenges with face-to-face -face coaching and helping you solve them I'm glad you added that to the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just want to hear about the bad times. Like, come on. Give me the goss, people. Okay. We will chat to you soon. Goodbye.